Welcome to the Enneagram Panels podcast. My name is Jim Zartman, and I am here talking about the fives with Enneagram coach Joel Hubbard. Yeah, man, I am thrilled. This is a, oh, wow, this this particular one, we're, we're now heading into the head triad, right? So we've left the heart triad. You're going to notice, if you've been following along, a distinct shift. If there's any <laughs> sort of really big major shift, it's from the four to the five. Yeah, this has got to be one of the most misunderstood types, even though people desperately want their skills. This is a sharp, sharp group of people. And our panelists are a very sharp group of yeah. people. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, you you listen to some of them, and not all fives are the most brilliant people in the world. But They've mastered their their brains <laughs> to such a degree. <laughs> they love knowledge research, information. So oftentimes they do ascend to very, you know, very high positions in the work world and become very accomplished. You watch how the energy level drops off from, if you've been listening again, to the, from the four or how it changes really from the four to the five. Because what happens when you get to the five is you start to, to see a type that really thinks through everything they say. It's not so much self-editing as much as it is there are so many compartments in their brain. Yeah. And they know they've got it filed somewhere and they got to go find the file. And when they find it, they pull it out. And if you give them time and you give them the space, they will come up with something and it's good. It may take a while to get there and it may take a while to deliver it. But it is really, really good stuff. And you can count on it. When you, when you ask a five a question, you know, about anything that they have really researched, you can count on it. It's good information. Right. They're not just making it up as they go like some of the other types. But they – so this was a hard one actually to edit because all of these I wanted to edit them for, uh, you know, being concise and for sake of time and, and clarity. But one thing you miss out when you're just listening as opposed to sitting in there is fives take these long pauses where they really want to choose the right words, choose the thing they really mean. And if I left that in, it would have, A, been long, and also it would have been kind of hard to – it's hard to just listen to. It's different when you're watching them. So I had to edit out so many of these long pauses as they're they're talking to make it as concise and as tight as possible. But just know that um, when you're watching a a five talk, a lot of times you're thinking, why is this – taking so long, but they are choosing so intentionally everything that they say. And yeah. And why can't like, I read them either? Because like some people say, well, I can't, I can't read them. Yeah, they're, they're poker masters. They're poker. I mean, they just are no affect whatsoever. No, right? no facial cues. No. And that can be, that can be difficult for some folks when they're like talking to them because many people read again, facial cues, body cues, emotions. And they have the least. And they have the least of all of that. Right. <laughs> and uh, and so, uh, but again, it, what you're going to pick up on as you listen to this episode is that it's not that they don't want to be that way uh, by choice, but rather that it's an issue of necessity for them, that they feel like in order for me to get to here, up here in my headspace, and really have an answer that's thoughtful, that's important, I need to give you this because you've asked. And it, and, and that means something to them. If I'm giving you this information, it's got to be really good. It's got to be accurate. So what happens when your emotions get involved? Well, that messes that whole accuracy yeah. thing up and that precision thing and that need to uh, – yeah, again, to give very good, accurate information. Yeah, so let's get into it. Joel gives a longer description at the beginning, and then uh, you get to hear from them. So let's do this. It's 
So we are in the head triad now. And for those of you who've been with us uh, up to this point, eight, nine, and one are the body triad, the people that process life through action or through inaction. But it's very much about the action forward or a reticence of action, a hesitancy in action. But they're very, that's the, the orientation. And also uh, primarily dealing with the emotion of, of anger or uh, buried anger, but, uh, but it's, it's primarily that which the body type gets access to mostly. But then we went to the heart triad, which is uh, the two, three, and four. Uh, the two, threes, and fours uh, process life much more through the emotional center. Um, so it's much more about what they feel, what they observe around them is going on. And uh, deal primarily with sadness, grief, shame, um, as more the emotion that seems more present to them anyways than anxiety or anger. Um, now we're entering into the, to the head triad. Uh, head triad people primarily process through the head um, and uh, rationality. And also deal mostly with anxiety and fear. Um, anxiety is a sort of constant for the head types. The fives early on intuited, discerned, that life was a bit intrusive and that uh, the five had needs, the five had desires, the fives wanted to be nurtured, uh, wanted to be cared for, but, but, but on their terms. So fives looked for it, but early on didn't quite find it, but also began to pull away because fives uh, have this intuition that life is consuming and that they need to, to store up the resources, to, to, be, to have enough. And also discovered along the way that they, many fives, describe themselves as being sort of having a, a low self-esteem about their ability to do things, their ability to play ball on the, on the field with the other boys, to be as great of them as a musician as the other musicians. Um, and so the five found uh, themselves really escaping into their head um, and into the place of great, which is a place of great confidence for the five and finding one or two, although their interest is broad and vast and eclectic, fives will find the one or two things that they become really, really good at. There's an ongoing fear of not being useful, not being capable. And, and, and the fives are, become sort of a, a resource point. So people come to the fives for a lot of answers. And, you know, you can trust a five. If you ask a five a question, if the five doesn't know, the five will say, I don't know. I have no problem saying I don't know. But, but they'll say, I'll get back to you. And when the five gets back to you, watch out because the five is going to have an answer. And it's not going to be a five-minute answer. Uh, it's going to be very thought through, very thorough. Um, you can count on that. The fives go to the head. The fives have this uncanny ability. They have the best poker faces. If you ever play poker with a five, you will lose. Fives can maintain a look without any affect. There's no, no giving away of the emotional space. Why? Because the five has mastered the ability of total detachment, uh, the ability to leave almost their, their emotions, but almost leave their body as well. The five can watch themselves do things, in fact, and watch conversations. Sort of, they're called the observer, the investigator, um, because they can observe and they're brilliant at it. They can watch with, some, with, with great rationality, which is also another reason why people really trust fives with information and knowledge and wisdom, because the five is not involving the emotional center in that, oftentimes in that space. And so when they give you an answer, it's generally unbiased. They can actually be 
in the middle of a fight and they can watch that and point out similar to the nine as we talked about so those of you who are the nines the nines have the capacity of understanding all the different viewpoints out there the fives can too from the head center and they can watch and see what's going on and have an unbiased view of things uh, they love to synthesize material, to bring things that seem disparate together. They can be very eccentric in their pursuit of knowledge, too, to the degree that they, it becomes impractical in some respects. So fives, as you can see, in disintegration, fives go to the seven. So the seven is the, the low side of the seven. So the seven is the enthusiast. But on the low side, they're very distracted people. Um, and you know, it's, it's this idea, it's that idea, it's this idea. And they can't land on anything and settle on anything. Well, fives in stress, as they can investigate something and really research something, when they become stressed, uh, they will tend to bounce around and, um, and go from idea to idea, from plan to plan, from thought to thought. But in health, the five finally gets into action and starts to look a little bit like the eight, which is the eight on the high side of the eight, the eights are very action-oriented and get things done. So I've said enough about me because I've it up the five forever. There's so much fascinating things about the five. But I'd love to hear from you guys because even though I'm in the head triad as well, your language for the five is uh, what I'm interested in hearing about and how you would describe yourself. So, so is, are, you, are you leaving this open-ended then? I, I will, but then we'll, we'll guide it with some more okay. questions around the, you know, because that could take a while to figure out like which place to start. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part of the reason why I want them to do this because you're already seeing the type emerge right here. This is fascinating. I guess uh, one of the things I've, I've described to to people, and and this this ties into the. Um, you know, being inside the head. And as, as I was sort of reminiscing on my past at one point, I think with, with family, I was starting to like recount things that had happened to me and, and our, you know, and that other pe- people in my family were part of. And they look at me and go like, that never happened. And so I started realizing that because I spent so much time in my head as a kid, sometimes just thinking about things there was actually like it was hard as time went on and you know I don't really remember much detail other than certain things of my childhood but um, because most of it wasn't I didn't deem it terribly important so (laughs) (laughs) so so some of these memories I I guess as I as I talk through them with with different family members and realize like you know, I don't really know if what I remember as my childhood actually happened or not so, to some to some degree. But uh, so that maybe uh, gives you a little light into the to the headspace. There's also the the thing of somebody we could be having a conversation, and I'll be working on a problem back here, and you'll be talking to me, and we'll you know be having a conversation, but I'm kind of. Working on like maybe two or other two or three other things in the in the back of my head. So it's, sometimes it's it's very hard to like actually like bring myself back to focus to be present to actually like have a conversation, mm-hmm. and then uh, just find like chit chat. Don't care. Is, is a waste of time. Mm. Basically, it, it. I don't think there's anything that makes a five's eyes glaze over faster or retreat to that part in our head than like. Just like random talk about 
weather or sports or unless that happens to be our thing. Um, but if it's just if it's just generic chit chat, we're gone. <laughs> so as you were giving all your explanations, it was yes, 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 all of those things. I have found myself in the work environment being one that uh, I use, always used to en- envision me having a sign on the door saying the doctor is in. And mm. people would come with whatever problems they had. And I would either know the answer or I'll research it. I'll get back to you. Sometimes I was not exactly doing what my boss wanted me to be doing, but I was spending more time helping out everybody else. Yeah, and to me, there's never enough information. There's always more to find out. You can never know it all, Mm. but you want to know it all. So you're going to just keep drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling until you get it. And then you want to share that with people (laughs) in the panoramic long version, which they don't want to hear. (laughs) To me, um, knowledge is power. It's always been, you know, knowing, being confident in what I know. If I don't know something, I'll, as you pointed out, I will up front tell you, I don't know. That got me into trouble once at work. Because I, uh, I was sent as a consultant out to California to meet with somebody in one of our other divisions. And as I'm out there working with the people, I basically got to the point of, I don't know the answer to this. Mm. And that person then got back to my boss with, I thought you were sending out an expert that knew everything. And, well, I'm sorry. If I don't know, I don't know. And I'm not going to make it up. I've worked with people that just make it up, and that drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nuts. So, Thanks. Thanks, Ron. So I'm Peter. I'm uh, from Cambridge. I felt like, as Joel was, and I was really impressed, Joel, by your description, because I felt like you'd completely exposed me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, you know, it's okay. It's actually probably a good thing to come out, because... As a five, I like to hide. Mm. You know, that's maybe part of the type, but also I think it's, I'm, I, I tend to be an introvert. Yeah, where do I start? I guess um, you mentioned fear. Um, mm. I think for me, a fear amongst, and I, I share a lot of fears, I'm sure that everyone here can relate to, but the one that probably stops me in my tracks the most is appearing incompetent. Mm. So I do my very best to hide my weaknesses, my uh, lack of knowledge. And maybe that ties in with what you were saying about going to your head to compensate for other areas of weakness. So, you know, relying on the intellect to sort of compensate for other areas where I feel vulnerable. I think the other things that you mentioned, which, you know, reminded me of my own growth work is um, how I, because I emphasize the head, I tend not to, and I think it's also related to the, the poker face thing that you were talking about. I don't disclose my feelings uh, readily, and I tend to not be that uh, attentive to my physical comfort or f- physical well-being. So um, sometimes it has to be a, a health scare before I realize, oh, gee, I better 
pay attention to my back or I better get back into the gym or I should probably not be having the bag of chips with my lunch. So I think there are deficiencies that are that were highlighted, I think, very accurately by your description of the typical five. The other thing, though, is that, and I related a lot to what you said about being an integrator and a synthesizer of information, because when someone asks me what are some of my skills and strengths, I, I actually like to gather information and I like to see connections mm. and integrate apparently disparate domains of knowledge. Yeah. So like I'm, an, I'm a physician by training, but I'm also an investor and I, I advise uh, early stage companies and healthcare and life sciences. I also have a background in public health. So I actually bring all these different mm. fields of knowledge into my work, whether it's when I'm talking with a patient or you know, whether I'm advising an entrepreneur about you know, their business model and their strategy. I mean, I enjoy that. That kind of gives me, you know, I guess my juice is flowing. Um, when we try to look at, the, we, we drill down and then we also back out and look at the big picture. Mm. Anyway, I'll, I'll let the questions, the mm-hmm. Q&A time elaborate some of these things, but I just want to say. I, I, want, to, I want to continue. That's a great, some great stuff that you just brought up in terms of synthesizing uh, information. I'd like to, to hear more about that uh, because it's one of the things that fives, uh, really, really good at and bring as a gift to many other people is the capacity to make sense. And this is all it takes place in the rational part of the brain. You know, you're, you're kind of piecing the puzzles. Puzzles are fantastic for fives. You know, it's, you just gave me a problem. You just gave me a gift. Like, I'm going to be busy for a while, particularly if I'm interested in this problem. Like, this is something that's, that's fascinating to me. And to be able to take different parts of your interests, being a physician, um, uh, in an you know, investor and bringing those things together in fascinating ways. It doesn't, doesn't seem to, other people would say, how, how, do those, how do those things combine? Right. Um, so I'd like to hear more about that in, in, in all of your lives um, as fives and talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, I think I elaborated a little bit about, on that and maybe this would have been a really valuable clue as to my type. But I think since I've been young, as far as I can remember, I've always been curious and I've always tried to, you know, see connections and, and um, gather information from seemingly unrelated fields to gain insights into, you know, what it may be a cause-effect relationship that isn't so obvious. You know, and, and problem solving and stuff like that has been part of my professional work as well as a doctor. Oh, man. So integration and uh, synthesis and things like that. Um, I don't know if I knew like early on that that was necessarily what was going on. But I have, you know, as I've as I've gotten older and especially in the, you know, the last more or at least more recently in, in my previous career, what I've been doing now, there's there's always been a sense that basically anything's possible. So, you know, somebody comes with a solution, they're like, oh, there's no way. Yeah, there's a way. There's, there's a way. You just have to figure it out. And there's probably, you know, thing over here that somebody's worked on or done and something over there that somebody's done and just nobody thought to put them together. It's kind of like the, you know, chocolate and peanut butter. And uh, <laughs> one of the practices I, I have is I usually am reading about four or five different books at the same time. And, and it's not like, I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's, there's, it's slow going. I mean, it's not like I'm, 
reading five books in, in a week, you know, but I, but I read them at the same time so that I can like, oh, one's a little bit more interesting or I, I, I'm finding it more interesting and I'm, I'm reading that or one's in, you know, paper form and one's on my Kindle app. And so it depends upon where I am that I might be reading that. But I find these uh, happy sort of coincidences on things that I would not, ne- you know, you wouldn't necessarily put them together as having a connection, but there's, you know, I often find that there's two different things, two or three different things that I'm reading that all of a sudden, like, wow, you know, this new thought comes into my head about things that are disparate, things that are in each of these books or each of these different categories. So those, that's always just a fun thing to kind of realize those things. And then sometimes they don't get put together until somebody asks me an interesting question. And then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I just read that and this and and this other thing and you know it starts the wheels churning as far as the synthesis part that i think explains it for me at least yeah it's all it's all discovery it's either discovery of something potentially new or discovery or rediscovery of something that you know it's already out there or putting two or three things together that weren't necessarily put together before. And Nancy always used to make comments to me, uh, you know, in the middle of something, and I'd just give her some answer about something. She says, how do you know that? I don't know, I just know it. It's just, you know, random pieces of knowledge Mm. and whatever. Mm. But they do come together. So let me spring off of that, because this is fascinating about the five. If you ask a five a question, right, Tell me if this is true of you guys. The answer is not going to be, bam. You don't open your mouth to then start thinking. Oh, no. <laughs> Unlike the seven. The seven starts with the mouth, you know. My dad's a five. He used to always say, uh, you know, Joel, think before you speak. You know, have the brain in gear before you start, you know, talking. I always, when, so, I, was in, when I was in meetings at work, all this conversation is going on. All this conversation, buzz, 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 buzz. And I'd just be sitting there, not saying a word. Hmm. And then halfway through all the blah, 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 I'd come out with something. And it was always, huh. (laughs) (laughs) That was, and probably something so insightful, everybody else thought, wow, even just like blabbing and not getting it, and you're just like, there there it is. Yeah. Even the ability to synthesize what everybody else is saying. Oh, yeah. Unless it's and, nonsense. And if, but, there's, yeah. and if there's just disagreements going on in the room, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What he's saying is this. What she's saying is that. Yeah. You guys are doing one of these things. You're just not connecting. Yeah, yeah. Get over it. Come on. Let's... <laughs> Because, because again, it's not an emotional. It's thing. not an emotional thing. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say that. We're here trying to do something, and we can't get past this block because you guys aren't talking to each other. You're not communicating. What's the matter with you? <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> That's perfectly five. Yes. I don't know. That might been a might have been a flash of the eight, actually. Um, <clears throat> And I mean that as a compliment because yeah. I think when you're yeah. bold and you just you know and you just speak out, sometimes that's that's where you're progressing, not regressing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for me, and, and I'm not an enneagram expert, so don't take me too seriously. But 
I know from my tendency is to withdraw and to withhold. And that's due to a lot of things. Insecurity, uh, it's also a, a scarcity mindset. Like, oh, there's not enough knowledge. And if I share it with everybody, then my advantage is diminished. Mm. Those beliefs are in the background, even if I don't explicitly acknowledge them. So uh, at least when I've been in those types of situations, I may be aware of and or thinking those things, but it takes an effort on my part to actually put that out and um, share it with my, um, you know, with my colleagues in mm. the room. So, mm. Nice. Thank you. So um, let's talk about the emotional part, uh, processing emotion for the five. This is one of the things, as you can see up here. What's emotion? What is that? It's going to be hard work in the next few minutes here. Um, but, I go up to this challenge. <laughs> no, because I'm also in the head triad, so it's, it's, it's extra effort for me. Contrasting to last week where, where we had the threes and fours, and the fours in particular, this is not easy for the fives to process emotion when something is happening that is difficult, a crisis, a painful situation going on, a loss of some kind, what do you guys do? What happens inside you? What do you... See, the five is going to take a while to answer this. <laughs> usually they go... <clears throat> usually the five goes through many categories because they've got these files and they get files within the files. And so as they're searching through the files, they're accessing the information... Thing is, when we deal with emotions, there's no file for emotions, is there? It's just sort of something that all fives, by the way, this is the misunderstanding, all fives feel all of the range of emotions. The issue isn't the feeling of it, the issue is the processing of it and what happens in the process. So when you're looking at a five and there's no affect, it's not that the five isn't feeling stuff. The, fi- the five may be feeling a whole bunch. So I'd like to hear from you guys. How do you, is that true? Do you feel the range of emotions? that isn't coming across in your body language? And uh, what are you doing as those feelings are coming up? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I would start off with saying, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we do feel emotions. I know I, I do, but in the moment, you're not really, I, like, you know, it might, uh, I don't know, it's, it's really tough <laughs> to talk about. I, I, I mean, here's, 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 it's like, so, you know, if, if uh, let's say somebody passes, um, a family member or something, I mean, certainly when, when I think about, you know, my, my parents eventually passing, that's, you know, something that makes me sad when I think about it. But at the same time, it's going to happen. I mean, it's just something, it's something that happens to all of us. So it's, you know, I understand it's going to happen, so it's not, or maybe it doesn't impact me as much, I, I guess, or I don't know. I don't, um, uh, I, I have a, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I, I, have, I have a morning journal that I, that I do most, most mornings. I have a template that I created, and one of the, the blocks is emotions, right? And trying to force myself to do that. And most mornings, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm not awake enough to have emotions right now. I'm like, I literally, I, I sit there for like five minutes trying to think of an emotion that I'm having. And yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe I'm <laughs> a little depressed, you know, <laughs> or or something, or I think I'm okay. I, I mean, 
I, I think I'm happy. My eyes water all the time when I'm listening, especially listening to music. I hate it. It's <laughs> it's it's kind of annoying. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I'm trying to enjoy the song. Sometimes trying to sing it, and it's hard to sing when you're like have the feeling like you're going to sneeze at the same time because your eyes are doing this thing and, and your nose is tingling and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, I just want to enjoy the song. I don't want to, like, get all mushy about it. <laughs> but I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> so Myers-Briggs has the uh, introvert, extrovert, whatever the next one is, but the thinker-feeler is the third one. And uh, I was used to chat with Nancy that, you know, I'm a, I'm a high T, but my F battles against my T every once in a while. So uh, I do feel things. I do cry at movies or at a song, but I clearly don't live there. I mean, that's not, when it comes to making decisions and doing things and whatever, it's not based upon how I'm feeling about something. It's based upon what's logical, what's the right thing to do. Da, 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 da. So processing feelings, if I knew what I was feeling, maybe I could process it. <laughs> I don't have a clue what I'm feeling. You know, I just, because again, I don't live there. So, <laughs> so I don't know how much of this is ingrained or inborn um, or how much of this is is learned, uh, but on the inborn part, my mother is a five, I think, and she does tend to go to her head. And um, and even now, I think the message spoken and unspoken that I got and I get sometimes is that emotions are not that important. And then the other part that was probably formative is when I grew up, my father was a very explosively uh, angry person. So, you know, I associated anger with danger. And so um, I sort of went the opposite direction. And I think it was reinforced by teachings that I think were well intended from, you know, a lot of Christian teachers that, you know, angry was, anger was not a good emotion, you know, and you should not go there and not, not give it full expression. So sort of in that milieu of growing up with those messages, um, I started to idolize fictional characters like Spock, you know, so like no emotion, just straight logic. Let's just figure this thing out. And it served me well because I think it helped me survive my family, which was, you know, rather turbulent. And also it served me well as a professional because I could work under duress, stress, um, without losing my cool. What's nature nurture? I don't really know, but I relate a lot to what my fellow panelists have, have said. Um, I think to bring it back to me, um, I've had to work on being aware of my feelings, but I think as much, if not more, I've had to work on expressing my feelings. Mm. So I'm pretty aware of what I'm feeling, but I've, I haven't felt like I had license for all of these reasons I've alluded to, to actually give them expression. Um, and um, so that was part of, that's part of been my, that's, been part of my work. Um, the other thing that I've become aware of is that actually one of the clues for me about what I'm feeling, if I'm not able to immediately identify it, is what I'm feeling in my body. Because mm -hmm. I tend to channel my feelings into my physical being. It could be as simple as a migraine 
or it could be muscle tension in my neck and my shoulders. It could be insomnia, uh, waking up in the middle of the night. But these are clues that, you know, something is troubling me inside and I need to really examine it and bring it before Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, the bodily cues have been important ways for me to get in touch with my feelings. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. The, The fives needing, or they're all head types, needing to process things in the head, by definition means that the emotions are, um, are ignored or the emotions aren't, aren't um, you're, you're, not, you're not allowing them to come out. You're not expressing them. There's an automatic thing that happens with the emotions. Just, you, just, you don't think about what you're doing. It's just automatically that's what happens. So the emotions go down and then it's about solving the problem. How do we fix this thing and, and get to a desired um, outcome? So fives will do this to kind of, again, repress the, the emotions. And when pressure is, is on, which for fives in the workforce, it's constant. So there's all this pressure. There's all this stress. It takes effort, tremendous effort. And this is so important to understand and why patience is necessary and compassion is necessary, is it takes so much effort for the fives to then go and actively, which uh, unless you're aware and you're being encouraged in this way, you're not going to do it but actively processing the emotions or finding ways to do that. And one of the things I encourage fives to do all the time in five, sixes, and sevens, um, and I practice, try to practice this myself, is that I try weekly to find a way to access the emotions. So through music, um, there's certain songs that really evoke emotion for me, and I, I've, I've become a student of those things. I'm becoming a student of what it is that triggers my own waterworks, because if it does it, then I can also then access it. it. Opens me up to unprocessed pain, and that's when I can process the pain. Sometimes you've already known that, so you watch sad movies. You just automatically know that, so you do that. To me, that's always been a thing you avoid at all costs. So you run. I rather a fantasy like fives. A lot of fives tell me they love fantasy and they love sci-fi. Because it's a way of escaping from reality, not to keep looking at it. Um, and that was a battle with my wife and I, not a battle, but a, but a joke and argument that we would have when she would watch. I'd ask her, why are you watching these? Why do you want to watch a sad movie? Because it helps me to, to cry. It helps me to, why would you want to do that? Like, why would you want to look at that? That doesn't make any sense to me. I want to watch something that takes me out of that. But that's been really wisdom for me because... That has helped me, and then now I'm helping others. That's a way to access the emotional space and to do that methodically, uh, weekly, whatever it is, uh, to then uh, help you to become more integrated with body and, and, uh, and emotion. So I thank you, Peter, also for mentioning the body. Is, that's a, a, a really significant tool as well as pay attention to what your body's telling you. Maybe another question. Talk, let's talk about your need for privacy. Fives oftentimes like to withdraw. They like space. They like to go off on jaunts. Some like to travel alone, like get in my car and get away and just, I'm, I'm gone. Oftentimes without telling people, just like, boom, gone, disappear. Talk about your need for privacy. So I think... In terms of privacy, it kind of serves two. Well, one, it's it's kind of our natural place because that's where we can do, you know, undistracted thinking in having that sort of a, a private place or you know the the space to do that. On the other side, 
we're, we're constantly looking for, I think, space to replenish energy, especially when I was working full-time in my previous career um, in the government. It was so stressful. You know, I had the same thing, like people coming in my door, like constantly and sometimes mm. screaming at the top of their heads because of some, you know, something going on. And I'm just sitting there like shell shock, you know, like taking this all in, trying to like calm the whole thing down, you know, calm it down. And, and so, you know, I, I would leave, I'd leave work and I'd, I'd get on the train and I'd be like passed out in like two seconds as soon as I sat down for like the half an hour ride home, just all the, all that would catch up to me. But then like I, wouldn't do much. Like I didn't have much of a social life. You know, the last thing I wanted to do when I got home was actually see another person, unless it was in a, a type of environment that I could kind of control or uh, know about. So it was very important. That's where I recharged, and that's one of the reasons why I ended up finally leaving there because I it was it was unhealthy un, unhealthy balance for me. On on the downside of that, it, it can be, become very easy to fall into that habit and. And relationships kind of suffer, um, friendships suffer, family. You know, I, I can go for, you know, months at a time and not talk to my parents who I'm very close with just because it just, I just don't think of it. Or if I do think about it, it's at a time where they're probably asleep because um, I'm usually up at, in the middle of the night and they're not. But yeah, it's, it's mostly about that. Uh, um, space to to find the, the energy, or just to to be able to have clear thoughts. And so, I tend to work best on my own. But I also recognize there's things I need other people to sort of help bounce off or help me think through things at, at times as well. But if I've got the idea and I'm going, I'm just gonna, you know, I, I need like total space by myself, get it done. There are times that I need privacy just because there's too much going on. Mm-hmm. And I can't focus on what I need to be focusing on mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm trying to get away from people or whatever, but in my work environment, I've mostly had you know private offices. And so, yeah, I'd be locked in that office all day. Of course, if anybody came to the door, I'd be happy to talk to them and and everybody would knock on the door and say, I know you're busy, okay? <laughs> and I was busy because I'm researching something or other and whatever. But, uh, yeah, another point that you made that uh, sometimes Nancy and I get into this thing, I'm a problem solver. And there are times in our relationship as a two and a five where I have to stop and say, okay, do you want me to solve the problem or do you want me just to empathize with whatever's going on? I really just want you to empathize. Okay, fine. I'll shut off the solving problem mode and I'll just try to listen. But that's work. <laughs> that's work. It doesn't come naturally. At least in our relationship, we've figured out how to work these things, work these things out. So... <laughs> Yeah, that, that dynamic plays out with, with my wife as well. Just, <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I think, it, again, it was reinforced by my profession where I was given a short amount of time. I had to gather the data and then come up with a diagnosis and a plan. So I just sort of fall into that 
mode of operation very easily. And a lot of times that's not what Stephanie would want. So um, I, I relate. I mean, I think the, I don't know if it's a core trait of fives, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is that fives do need some alone time um, to recharge their batteries, um, to sort of help their, their minds process and organize and put in those neat files all that information that they have gathered and all the observations they've made. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of why I also find that I do need breaks um, during the course of the day. And I cherish those hours or two that I have in my study or my office where, you know, there isn't any distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where I found the rub in that and the, 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 the trap is that um, my tendency to isolate also has not served me well. So when I struggle with some issues, some internal pain, hurt, um, difficult relationship, difficult choice, you know, isolation I've learned from the school of hard knocks is really the worst thing that I can do. So I've had to pay attention to the dashboard of my emotional experience and say, oh, that light's blinking. I've got to actually press against uh, this tendency to isolate and try to solve it all by myself. Mm. And I think that relates to another area of struggle for me, and perhaps it's, it's shared by a lot of other fives, um, is that it has been historically very hard for me to acknowledge my need for help, mm. my deficiencies, you know, whether it's because of my personality type and or because of the beliefs that I grew up with, the teachings from my parents and my culture to be self-sufficient, not to depend on other people, try to figure everything out by yourself. That's been an area where I've needed to work on and be comfortable or at least be willing to acknowledge my limitations and ask for assistance. You know, that's been another area where I think my tendency to isolate, to be by myself, to be an introvert has actually not helped me because I probably would have done and solved and or addressed certain issues faster if I had been willing to open up mm. and ask for help. Mm. Yeah, beautifully said. Good. Just add on to that is, is fives can tend to, um, and this is something I, I discovered in the, in the past year of doing some of this work, over the past five years or so, I've been doing this project of like, oh, you know, letting go of things and, and simplifying and, you know, this, it's a big trend right now. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm really good at this, you know, and, and uh, I'm like <laughs> proud of myself. And then I read all this stuff about fives and like, you know, we will actually put our own selves out first in order to help somebody else. We'll actually like live on the minimal if that helps somebody else. So in other words, we, we tend to, you know, keep that stuff in and say, well, I, I can deal with that or I can, I can handle that. Part of it too is anytime somebody comes to you, no matter what you're feeling at that time, somebody comes to me and says, Hey, um, I need this, or I've got this going on or, or this, like, all right, that all gets sort of pushed aside you're dealing with the problem in front. So, and we can do that very easily. Um, but it's also, mm. as I'm realizing, it's like, oh, you know, that's, I need to actually watch that because it, it is something I do naturally and is not necessarily always a strength. And I have to mm. be aware to actually engage and share and do that, which is <laughs> mm. <laughs> really.
not frustrating. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, questions from uh, the audience. Yes. I think that I have a loved one who is a five, and I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for how to connect more closely. So I think my dad is a five. I'm extremely emotional, and I want to find meaningful ways to connect with him. I'm wondering what is the most meaningful way for you as a five to connect to other people? If I put myself in your position trying to have, you know, have a connection or, or create more of a connection with me as a five. A lot of times an intellectual conversation with minimizing the emotional display because that I will tend to try to like run away, run away. <laughs> <laughs> either, either physically or mentally. But at the same time, fives, we need people to explain to us what is going on. So, so it's helpful for me to have a discussion of the emotion and what's behind it and to actually analyze it and have just a conversation. But, and, and I would also agree that, you know, doing something together like a project or walking or something like that also is helpful because you're in your body then. So I guess that frees you up to have a little bit more open connection, I think. What was helpful for me and I think my wife was to go back to the love languages so for me, touch and quality time were the top two. Identifying that, sharing that with Stephanie, she knew, okay, those are two things that I can do that would be nourishing and would connect with Peter. So actually some of these themes I think are, could be applied to you know, what my two co-panelists have shared tonight. I mean, the quality time, just being together in the kitchen, taking a walk together, being in your body. The other thing, though, which may be counterintuitive, is actually it's jarring to me to be confronted with either someone expressing their feeling or checking in with me and saying, mm -hmm. I'm sensing you're angry or I'm sensing you're sad. Is this true? You know, and to have someone reflect that back to me, actually, even though it's not comfortable for me, it does connect me with myself and, and with the other person sometimes. So you might if that's not too scary territory for you to explore that with your, your, your father. Um, it's just to share your feelings and then to check out what he's feeling and, and see if that, where that takes you. Really good. So thank you so much to our five panel for helping us better understand them and even being willing to delve into the emotions. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about the Enneagram or are interested in coaching or a typing interview, you can contact Joel through www.joelhubbard.com. The Enneagram's panels podcast is produced by Talkie Records Studio in Lynn, Massachusetts, and made possible by Vine 39 Church in Stoneham, Massachusetts. If you enjoy and appreciate what we're doing here, please rate us on iTunes. It helps more people find the show. Thank you so much, and next time... Enneagram type number six. Mm -hmm.